Welcome to the Baking with House of Bread. My name is Sheila McCann and I am your host. Today I'm going to talk a little bit more about the business of baking. And to those of you that are new to the show or perhaps haven't listened to episode zero, the intro episode, I started bread baking in 1996 after I basically got burned out as a trial attorney. Today, I thought I would share my thoughts about the idea of converting a hobby of baking into an actual business of baking. And for myself, while I did enjoy cooking and and baking some pastries, I wasn't ever a home bread baker. In fact, I tried to bake bread when I settled on the business idea of a bread bakery, and I really wasn't that good at it. I mean, it took a while, and I, I had a lot of flops, and I remember bring some to my law office and they ate all the other sweets that were out there before eating my bread. So there, there was also this nicely put question of, are you sure you want to open a bakery? And I'm sure my feedback on my baked goods was the opposite of what most home bakers hear from their friends and family when they give away their products because my creations really weren't that great tasting. And for most people listening to this podcast, I'm going to bet your baking is your hobby and you're good at it. And I also imagine people telling you that you should sell your product and go into business or sell it at farmer's markets or, or encouraging you to expand your hobby into an actual business. For myself, I did not want to open a bakery because I was told I should because my baked goods were so delicious whether I wanted to open a bakery because I desired a more positive lifestyle. I mean, I was burned out from all the conflict that's involved in law, and I really wanted to have a a win-win situation where I was happy to make a product and people were happy to buy it. Well, baking was not something I was super passionate about. I was determined to create a better life for myself. And I, I feel good about selling naturally delicious breads, and I really enjoy my employees as well as the customer interactions. And I, I enjoy mentoring employees. And to me, that, that's really fun. And in, my, in the franchise company, when I started franchising the concept, I really enjoy helping people who are passionate about baking turn their hobby into a viable business. Unfortunately, I've also seen bakery owners fail that were phenomenal bakers. So while going from home baking to own a bakery is not a good idea for everyone, it can create a great lifestyle for some. To begin, I strongly suggest you visualize the type of life you want. A life vision bigger than the business idea will help you bring your business to life and also bring your life and passion to your business. So this visualization process, and what I'm talking about is basically you got to look in the mirror and and really ask yourself, why do you bake? What is it about you enjoy about it? Why do you love it? You know, if baking is therapeutic, if it's a stress relief or um, an escape from other aspects of life, then doing it for money is going to change all that. So once you start taking money for your baked goods, even if it's just selling breads to your neighbors or maybe baking for your church fundraiser, you are in the business and it's a changed environment. 
so if you give your baked goods away, I mean, really, there's a low pressure and there's also low expectation. And also, you're only going to get positive feedback for the most part. I mean, people justifiably so, they expect value for their money. They expect quality, consistency, and timeliness. So let's say you agreed to bake for a neighbor's party and then you forgot the yeast. Or even worse yet, you burned the bread, but it's a little too late because you really don't have the time with bread, you know, to just mix, mix up another quick batch like, like you could with maybe cookies or something. So screwing up bread is harder to redo as there is this lengthy time to produce, you know, with the fermentation process involved. And also you have to weigh that with people want it fresh. So just like, you know, they don't really want to buy day old bread. And so, so the inability to fix your mistakes quickly, I mean, that adds more pressure. And so the stress relief obtained from baking, it basically, it just got a 180 degree turn into now it's an added stress to your life of, of trying to please your customers. So, so don't get me wrong. It, it's a great thing for a bakery owner to love to bake. And I have learned to look for franchisees in the, during the application process that are cooks or home bakers, because generally they're not going to substitute cheaper ingredients as they understand how that will compromise quality. However, to succeed in the bakery business, it takes a lot more skill sets than baking. And there's a great book by Michael Gerber called The E-Myth. And I gave it to all my franchisees to read. And what it's about, it's about a pie baker and she makes wonderful pies. And so she opens up a pie bakery and she struggles, she's miserable, and she fails. And the main reason she did fail is because she was the technician of the pie baker and she didn't want to expand to wear all the other hats that you need to wear in a small business. And he went on to read other books like E-Myth Revisited and some other ones. And I did actually just do a quick Google search and you can actually download the PDF for free. But the main point in this whole book was about how a baker owner has to have possessed other skills other than just being a good baker. Because you can hire a great baker, but you can't hire an owner to do the owner's job, which is to build the business. And I, I thought at one point that I could just open up another bakery. I opened up another bakery about three hours away in a town called Santa Cruz. And I thought I could just hire a manager and it would be easy. And what I discovered there is that even a really good manager is really only going to maintain the business. So if you want to be the baker, I still think you can be eventually. But you've got to start and build that business, get a manager in place, and then become the baker. And, and today, it doesn't have to be all or nothing uh, to jump into selling your products with, you know, because they have what's called cottage laws. And so this law went into effect in California in 2013, and other states have it as well, but not everyone. But anyway, basically what it is is that you don't have to produce your items in a commercial kitchen to get the health permit. And I have a woman that teaches my baking classes in store. Her name's Marion, and she actually went through the process of obtaining her license to bake at home. 
And I'm going to do a podcast with her because she also did uh, a lot of more formal education in baking. So I thought it'd be kind of interesting to hear her perspective. And But anyway, so from what I understand, the health inspector basically came to her house and inspect her home. And then they give her a license to produce there. And this wouldn't normal, normally fly because for me to get a commercial health permit, I've got to have commercial equipment. It all has to have that NSF a safety sticker, which basically stands for the National Safety Foundation. And I can tell you that nothing in your home kitchen has that NSF stamp of approval, nor necessarily should it. I mean, it's a lot more expensive. I mean, commercial equipment is, I mean, for, I'll tell you an example. So I got a dorm refrigerator just for, it's for the espresso machine. So it was just the milk in the espresso machine. And um, well, the health inspector came in and made me pull it. So the dorm refrigerator, I think paid about a hundred bucks at, you know, wherever Costco and I had to go get a commercial one, and it was about 800 bucks. Anyway, so so for years, I've rented out my commercial kitchen to home bakers or cooks. And I still do occasionally. I don't get that those type of requests um, very often anymore because of the cottage laws. And I'm actually pretty happy about it. As most of the people I saw that I rented out my commercial kitchen to for their baking business, they were never going to make any money. And I felt almost guilty in watching them work hard for nothing. And at the same time, I didn't want to kill their dreams. So really what I do now, I say, well, why don't you come in and, and try it uh, try it once or twice, and then we'll work out a deal where they pay in me. So I basically gave them a little bit of a free reign. Um, because a lot of times these people like start all gung-ho, then they kind of fizz out. Or they, they realize that, you know, just because they make a really good cookie, it, it doesn't sell by itself. And so most of these people, it started with their friends or family members saying, oh, you should sell your salsa or your cookie or your pretzels or whatever it is. And that gets someone thinking, you know, that they enjoy making it, that maybe their product is so outstanding, they'll be easy to make some money out of their hobby. Keep in mind, there's a lot of products on the market and your friends and your family are getting the items for free and are naturally going to praise you. I mean, they want to encourage you, right? They want you to bake some more for them. So you really have to take a hard look on what makes your product special. Or in a business term, they call it, what's your competitive advantage? Why is your item better than what else is on the market? What makes it stand out? And rarely does an incredible cookie or loaf of bread sell itself. There's so many things that go into marketing your product. You know, briefly, I'll just touch on this. I call it the five P's of marketing. And really, that's your product, your packaging, your price, promotion, and place. The product, that's pretty self-explanatory. It has to be super delicious. Now, how are you going to package it? People taste with their eyes first, and packaging is often the key to making a purchase decision. Next, how are you going to promote your baked goods? Okay, you have to have a plan because even if you make the best cookie in the world, it won't take off without marketing. And marketing, if you can look at it this way, it's a wind that goes into your sails to make the boat move. Without it, you're dead in the water. So place. Place is where you're going to sell the product. Even if you decide you just want to start small and sell your bread at a farmer's markets or have those pop-ups, you know, go to your yoga studio. I have a, there's a bread bakery locally here that shows up um, and does pop-up sales after, after yoga classes. And I just... To be honest with you, I look at them, they're kind of a young couple and they're super nice and their breads are really good. They do um, some of the hard crusted artisan types, 
sourdoughs and whatever. And, and I know the labor that goes into making those and I see what they're charging. I mean, they're not, they're not giving it away, but at the same time is, is that, you know, so they've got it, they've got like 15 loaves there to sell. So even if they're charging 10 bucks a loaf, so they just made 150 bucks. Well, how long did it take them? Okay. First of all, they're out there selling it at that yoga studio for three hours and it probably talk, took them, you know, well, my artisan sourdough takes four days. So it, it took them a while to get to that point. So if you do the math, I mean, you know, they're, they're not making a whole lot of money. That, that was for sure. I mean, so you have to, you know, so maybe they weren't paying rent for the yoga studio, but they probably gave them a couple of loaves of bread. I mean, who knows? Okay, so if you go to farmer's markets, okay, so you have to have permits, number one, um, and they're likely going to want you to have a business license. And even some of the smaller markets, they kind of overlook some of that red tape, so to speak. But that's what they are, small, smaller markets, because the really bigger farmer's markets where people are selling a lot of bread, you know, I've done them and they can be quite profitable, but they're harder to get into because there's likely already bread bakeries there. And so you really have to talk to the farmer market director and, and show them why you're different, you know, what your competitive advantage is to even get in the door. So there's a, a booth fee though, whether it's a percentage of your sales or I've paid, you know, I've paid 150 bucks for some booths. So there is a cost to that. And so you have to know all that, what's your, what your place, what you're paying for, because that's how you determine the last P in marketing, which is price. And price is not necessarily what it costs you to make the item. Okay, price is what the market will bear. So that the example I gave of that nice young couple that were making the um, sourdough and selling outside the yoga studio, and there's no way they can get more than 10 bucks a loaf. So I don't care how delicious it is. I mean, if they start charging 20 bucks a loaf, um, because it took them, you know, ingredients was 15 bucks, let's say, in time and materials and everything else. They're never going to be able to charge that much. So the, the reason I'm getting to this point, because what I see a lot of people new to business, and this is what I did originally. Okay, so let me figure out how much it costs to make this item, which is something you definitely need to do a costing. But in the end, it's what the market will bear. In other words, what people are willing to pay for it. So if it costs you $1.50 to make a cookie, and yet in your local market, people don't want to pay more than a $1.50 for a cookie, well, then I think of a different item to sell because you're setting yourself up basically for losing money. I also, my personality is if you're going to do something, go all the way. Okay, so I'm not really a big fan of testing the water out before jumping in. And I think the reason... I'm not is because you don't really set yourself up for success. And so if you do things halfway, really, you're only going to have halfway success. So I'm going to pick on that couple again, those, that nice couple <laughs> after the yoga studio that were, you know, they had their pop-ups. There's no way they're going to make it. I don't care. I and mean, they just didn't have the things that you need to really make a living. Okay. So, you know, they might make a hundred bucks a month. Well, how long are they going to do that for? And so, I mean, if they were to jump in both, both feet, you know, that would be involved. Okay. You got to do your market research. You got to know your market and know your strengths and weaknesses and make the decision to keep a baking for a hobby or decide to go into business for real. And in my opinion, you have to make that decision to leap because doing something part way, really, it's only going to lead to part way success and you're likely 
to fail or burn out. If you have the mindset, I'm going to make this work, and you have core competence in the industry, then you are much more likely to make it work. So think of that saying, if you think you can, you can. If you think you can't, you can't. So it all starts with your mind. And that's when I started this whole podcast or this episode in this podcast. It really involves looking in the mirror and knowing yourself. And so there is truth that it does start within your mind. But you also have to be realistic. Okay, so when I started, I didn't have the core competence in the industry. And I thought about working in another bakery and learning the business of baking. But I had basically a huge amount of law school debts. And and so it really wasn't feasible because I figured I could make minimum wage and I'd have enough to pay back my law school debts. And that was about it. And so then I end up what I end up doing is hiring a consultant um, after I had looked into franchise systems that I didn't I didn't want to go with because there were some issues with them not returning my calls when they said they were going to et cetera. So in my personal trajectory, I couldn't work in the industry. I ended up hiring a consultant for $25,000. Okay, that was back in 1995. So it wasn't necessarily a cheap option. Now, so when I did, okay, so when I made that decision, I didn't want to practice law anymore. I actually went to Harvard Business School first. Okay, so I, that happened after law school, after practicing law, before I opened the bakery. And so that type of business education I obtained there, as well as a baking consultant coming in and teaching me that industry, you know, and also you know, get, sharing the recipes and the, just basically the whole business model and a lot of hard work. That's why I succeeded. And, and you don't, I want to make it clear is that um, I really loved it. And so I remember when I first opened the bakery the very first day and I mean, I, I couldn't sleep the night before, but I mean, basically I was working like, you know, 10, 12 hour days in the very beginning and I was exhilarated by it. And so it wasn't a, a drudgery. And it, to this day, I mean, I don't work in the bakery that much, but I still, even decades later, I still like it. And so I just finished up a whole big Halloween bake and it was super fun. I mean, it was the most I, I've baked in, um, Oh, I don't know, probably six months, but I was there for about six hours helping them with the, I got a couple new bakers with, you know, we made spiders, a day of the dead bread. We did, oh, scary berry pies and, you know, all kinds of, of fun stuff. And um, I really didn't need to be there. I kind of realized that, okay, these people, they've got it down, but I, I, you know, I still love it. And so it really was one of the best decisions in my life to take that leap. And I really encourage you, you know, we really, we have one life to live and you've got to live it to the fullest. And that does involve taking risks, but that's how you're going to obtain the life you want. And we all have fears. Okay. So I don't really have as much a fear of failure, um, but my big fear is the fears of regret. I didn't want to be like 80 years old. Wondering what if I could have, could have, should have, would have. So I really encourage you. I mean, you really got to, you are the one that controls your own destiny, right? And so take stock in what your life is, visualize where you want it to be and take charge of your life and, and go after your dreams. I'm just asking you to do it in a rational, logical and planned fashion. (laughs) 
So on that note, I'm, I'm happy to help in any way I could. My email address is Sheila at houseofbread.com. And you're welcome to email me. You know, I, I actually would enjoy any, you know, any questions you have or comments, suggestions, especially if you want to give me some ideas for future topics on this podcast. And as always, you're welcome to visit the show notes to learn more about House Bread Bakery Cafe, my recipe book, online classes, or just, just to connect with me or House of Bread. And I do appreciate you taking your time out of your day to listen to this podcast. Until next time, everybody, happy baking. Happy baking.